Welcome to the Alpha Pack Podcast. When you hear the word alpha, what comes to mind? Is it a lone wolf who goes his own way? Or maybe it's a powerful leader who bulldozes over the competition. Well, what if we told you that true alphas aren't lone wolves intent on tearing people down? They're actually dominant leaders who never back down from the challenge of improving the lives of everyone around them. As part of the Alpha Pack, we believe that no leader should be on their own. They need a pack of people keeping them accountable, challenging them, and encouraging them to be the best that they can possibly be. Join us as we hear incredible stories from industry leaders about how to become an alpha that will settle for nothing less than making the world better than the way they found it. Are you ready to learn what it takes to become a true alpha? Then pull up a chair, because you have a seat at the table as part of the pack. This is the Alpha Pack Podcast. All right, we're back for another episode of Alpha Pack. Um, welcome, everyone. So we did a somewhat heavy topic last time around um, death, and we thought we'd follow it up with something a little more lighthearted um, around stuff that we are all currently into. One of the joys of being in this community is you know, sharing ideas and then hearing the perspectives that are quite often different on these uh, different places. And um, it's always... It's always, while we come from different backgrounds and we have different perspectives on things, I'm always fascinated and interested to hear what these other good friends and uh, co-runners are doing and thinking. And we often riff on each other's ideas, but also gain a lot of insight from it. So we're going to do an episode where we just talk about uh, things we're currently interested in, in as we're recording it, September 2023. And um, we'll go ahead and do that. All right. So the thing that I'm particularly interested in um, lately is, so I'd probably come up sooner or later on this podcast, but I'm interested in all things uh, Tesla and SpaceX and kind of Elon Musk associated. Well, as with as a resident futurist, you kind of have to keep an eye on what they're doing. He's an, he's an interesting, he's an interesting dude and he's doing a lot of, his companies are doing a lot of interesting things. I heard a statistic yesterday that 80% of the mass that has gone off of earth into space 80 percent of it was carried by spacex the next wow. the next closest one was the country of china which had 10 percent. Oh, so i'm like when you're oh, doing eight times u.s doesn't even mass, make a uh they gotta get into the bottom 10 percent before the u.s shows up that it, is not what i would have guessed i mean it's it's pretty wild they they actually so this isn't my thing, but there's a good documentary on Netflix about SpaceX, which showed that SpaceX was actually the first rocket to take off from America manned in like quite a long time because we kind of abandoned the space race. Mm -hmm. So NASA is a lot of the NASA. But they're doing 80% of all the satellites and all the things that go into let, Earth. Let me, like, the way you phrased it. company is 80% of that right now? That's yeah. crazy. Jay, he didn't say they're currently doing 80% of the load. He's saying of all history time. Is that no, 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 no. No, in this past year, it was 80%. Okay, okay. That's what I was like, okay. That but changed. 80% of the mass delivered from Earth to space was SpaceX. I mean, that's amazing. It's amazing. I, don't, I, did, I mean, I followed them pretty closely, but I did not know that statistic. And, and granted, you know, they are deploying Starlink, which is their global global satellite network. Network, which ironically they sell at Home Depot and they sell at Best Buy now. A guy that works for me, his family lives in Mississippi, and they had like really crappy, like only one internet in town kind of thing. 
they got a Starlink and he was chatting on video the other day. He's like, yeah, it's great. Hey, maybe Scott, maybe Scott needs that. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been dogging on Scott lately because of his dead spot of cell service. So maybe we get you that for Christmas, Scott. Verizon Wireless, if you are listening to this, I am one of the people southwest of Atlanta. (laughs) Fix your dadgum broken tower. Okay. All right. So now we've already said that we were going to time box and not get into too much stuff. Although we haven't even got to your thing. That was the lead up to your thing. Yeah. So the thing that I'm particularly excited about is, and um, you know, Elon Musk is a controversial character here in 2023, but about two weeks ago, he did a, um, he did a live cast from one of his cars, one of the Teslas where he did a, um, a 45 minute drive with full self-driving. The interesting thing was the the version of full self-driving he was driving on was version 12. And what's interesting is it is neural network exclusively. There is no coded behaviors in this version 12. And so what that essentially means is they will show video to the neural net and teach it how to do. It's like video in driving behavior out. There is oh. like, and so as he's driving, he's like, what we're driving on is like they come to a speed bump and the speed bump, there's nothing that says, hey, when you notice a speed bump, make sure you slow down so you don't, you know, bottom out the car. It's like it knows to slow down because it's been shown enough videos of people behaving correctly with speed bumps that it's video in and behavior driving out. So it's not code. It's just downloading, reading video and interpreting the data. So all of Tesla's cars are always training stuff and sending stuff to the cloud saying, okay, here's, here's more videos. And actually it was interesting. They said today that they, they said something like there's like 160 million hours of video a day that they have. And so wow. they throw away most of it. What they're looking for is they're looking for particular behaviors that they can train more edge cases, more reinforcing things to, to show the neural net to say, hey, this is how you behave well. One of the interesting pretty things sure that, they're not watching film of me driving, but that's you know <laughs> well, what was interesting during the drive <laughs> behave well. Yeah, blacklist <laughs> this guy. Yeah, well, just auto delete everything. What is interesting does. is in the drive. So so a couple of interesting things that I'm excited about, but then what it really makes it super interesting is I'll get to that in a minute. But some of the things he said is um they had a hard time with this uh, version 12 because B, according to the law, you should come to a full stop at a stop sign. They had a hard time finding cases where people are actually coming to a stop. But it's actually doing it. Wait, are you saying you guys don't come to a full and complete stop where the hood of your car lifts at every stop sign? Oh, I mean, <laughs> our secret. But But the reason that this is all interesting is is it is not based on coding at all. So therefore, the ability, it it generates a couple of really neat abilities. First, it means that you can drop this car anywhere in the world and basically say, go from here to here. And it has enough knowledge and it has enough cases to basically drive around like in a place it doesn't even know. And compared to the other guys who have like, they use lidar and all that stuff, but they yeah, are running on maps. To Tesla, like they have a, they have like like Waymo and the other guys are using maps, aren't they? They're using very high definition maps, and then those high definition maps are very boxed in very specific areas. And if the high definition map is out of 
date. So if there's a pothole that occurs or there's some work that has to happen on the road, the car doesn't know, you know, that's where, that's where you see some of these things where like a Waymo car in San Francisco will be stranded in the middle of the road because it, it, it sees something as it doesn't understand. They can't address it. And so what, what Musk and all those folks are doing at Tesla is really fundamentally very, very, very different. And it's and they need a ton of data, but they've been collecting all of those use cases through all the cameras and all their cars they've been producing for all the time as a means to be, because again, even if someone could get to the place where they were doing the same thing, they'd have to have millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of hours of video that Tesla has all that video because they're recording it every day through every one of their cars to do it. So it's just, it makes it for, it makes for an interesting time. Um, I think that well, it's it's a classic. The rich get richer because the data becomes the accelerant. Correct. That they just leave everybody else behind. Like nobody can catch that, even if they're even if they were a little bit behind today, which I think they're probably a little bit ahead. If they have cracked that code, right, so to speak, and and they're actually a full neural net top to bottom. Right. Then, then their ability to learn outpaces everybody else's ability to code. Well, and it's and it's one of those things. It's it it's really kind of bringing a gun to a knife fight in the sense that right. it's like everyone else is like, oh, well, we'll code it or we'll improve the lidar, and they're like, yeah, there's a new scenario. Let's say, let's say, I mean, one of the interesting things. So, say that um, they start doing robo taxis, which we talked a little bit about last night at a dinner we had. You, you would imagine there's probably going to be some net new driving scenarios. It's like, uh-oh, well, how do you code, if you're one of the other people, how do you code for a scenario that doesn't exist yet? Well, you'd have to you know, do a lot of research and a lot of UX, and you have to code towards it. With, with the full neural net stack, the V12 that they're doing, they would just say, oh, yeah, well, you know, this is a derivation of existing behavior. We just need to go grab more video choose the ones that we want to emulate the behavior, show that to the neural net, and the neural net would adapt. Yeah, I, I'm interested, like, with all the AI stuff that's going on with creating video, like, can you not code in, I, you know, like, I'll basically have some level of AI functionality creating the video that you need to feed it. That would accelerate what you need to do. You don't have to actually do it in real time, correct? So, so they're doing some of those things. So they were saying, hey, we want to, you know, we want to create certain scenarios so we could show the proper behavior. Right. And they did tons of simulations like that. Ironically, they said that their simulation uh, stuff that they were using for it was a better graphic design than, like, the Grand Theft Auto or something. And they're like, one day we could just turn all this video we have into like a real world video game if we wanted to, but, but like, that's not what we're using it for. So they could do that. But at the end of the day, you have to reinforce so much. You want all the things to be looking different and you want it as much as possible based on reality. And that's the thing, like, that's where, that's where Google. So Google is Waymo. Waymo says all of their stuff is based on generated images. So they're like, yeah, we've driven and we've given, we got maybe a hundred million miles of real video. And then we've simulated like 30 billion. And, 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 and Tesla's like, Oh, we just do the real stuff. Hmm. I mean, you can, you can derive off of it, but the, but the real stuff is the real stuff. And you can't. So so I'll riff on this. There's a couple of things. First, I can't resist saying 
the the long-term winner is always the one who learns how to learn the best and and trying to quickly look good often bites you in the long run it's the guy who's willing to like just learn just learn just learn that guy ends up winning and then the second is the quality of the inputs makes a huge difference um Hmm. waymo if if we're correct on our hypothesis and tesla's gonna win this race Waymo will have put in a ridiculously larger amount of generative simulation things, but Tesla's real world stuff might beat them because quality inputs are better than than a bunch of junk inputs. Well, uh, and you've got to think about it. Like, and what's interesting is, so let's say they've got you know like a hundred thousand or even a hundred million miles or whatever, but then they're not a car maker, so most of their stuff would be based on maybe one drive through one neighborhood mm-hmm. in the whole country with one drive, you know, mm-hmm. or a lot of drives in that place like San Francisco. The thing that I think Tesla has done, which is interesting, which has enabled this whole idea of neural network approach is they put cameras in all their cars and every car they sold. And then they turn on the camera and they go, whatever you're doing, just as you're driving, yep. send that stuff we back. And we'll and we will continue to use it and we'll continue to build off of it for all time. And the really interesting thing, which shows that they can do it by showing video to a neural net and then it can replicate behavior, is they've got their auto their Optimus bot, their humanoid robot that they've got. Yeah. Yeah. Optimus, already, uh, hold on. Optimus Prime? Not Optimus. Prime, but yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Come on. Yeah, we, we know what he's thinking. But, but what's interesting is they're all saying right now, they're saying, well, Tesla has been collecting all this video data for driving for the past eight or nine years in all their cars. Even if another company wanted to do it, they would have to start putting the cameras in now. And then they'd have to have eight or nine years of millions of cars. And so the data lead is just so far advanced. And what's interesting is you think about like, they're like, oh, we're going to do like a humanoid robot thing. And everyone's like, oh, oh, come on. That stuff will never like, that'll be way off in the future. And I think it's a really interesting thing is be like, if nothing else, they're like, they may just be letting those things walk around recording video all day. And they're like, look, at the end of the day, we want real world scenarios of how people are moving around these things, of how people are picking up. And it's like, by that same thing, if they have the neural net where they show it video and they say, behave like this, right now they're doing it with big, heavy, lethal car. But really, what is the car doing? The car is essentially looking at what's happening, assessing the physics of other moving things, making decisions. And you're like, okay. Yeah, it seems pretty easy. What if it's a humanoid robot and it has to see things moving at it it has to make assessments of how to interact with objects, you know, cars, just like movement, but like maybe it's picking things up or something. And I think in some ways the neural net is exciting, not only for self-driving, but it's also interesting to say video in behavior out. What could that do for humanoid robots or whatever else? And it still needs to be proven. It's all those things. I mean, it, it tried to run a red light uh, during his 45 minute thing because there was two or three different um you mean because they forgot to delete daniel's driving history and he was like no <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of instances of this this is a normal human behavior <laughs> well, don't, there's not that many daniels um, thankfully there's not that many daniels that's right that's right 
there's so, a there's a ludicrous mode on the neural net, uh, yeah. and it drives like me. That's right. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. So, anyways, that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested it, and what's been interesting is that the people's responses to it. There's been not a single uh, analyst upgrade that has upgraded because of this. I don't think any at all. Like of any of the major, you know. Like you mean on the stock price? Yeah, the stock prices. The, yeah. Well, like so, stock stock analysts will you know have a new brief coming out and saying, "Hey, this is a really significant milestone," and whatever else. And other than the really large Tesla bear uh, bulls, no one's really come out and been like, "Wow, this is a really revolutionary next that's step," which is interesting. Which is interesting because it's kind of one of those things. That's that's what he showed, and if it is truly neural nets where they're showing video. And showing video turns into behavior, video in, behavior out. Like the implications on it are just ginormous. Yeah. I mean, so many iterations of how you can adapt that level of learning to anything, right? I mean, cars, boats, planes, I mean, you know, anything, human Human robots, robots, whatever you're wanting, right? I mean, so many places to do that. Like, not before we get off this topic, done. Would y'all buy one of those robots and have it in your house if you if they were available? You're talking about the humanoid robot. Yeah, I, I mean, like in my house. Yeah, would you have one? Are you yeah. like, nah, not so much? I mean, they're firstly going to be built for manufacturing and you know jobs yeah. that humans someone don't want to do. But at some point, you know, what was that? The Jetsons, right? Like way yeah, back in the day, it. right? Didn't they have a little robot that floated around and did stuff for them? I mean, yeah, I think our kids might really have that as an opportunity. Maybe us. I don't know. I've not seen it, but yeah, I would. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's one of those things. I think that there's a fair amount of stuff, especially like with aging parents, like uh, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. let's not get back to the topic of death per se, but with aging parents and, and people who wanting to stay in, to stay in home where they don't, where they want to, you know, continue staying in home, but they just don't have the, the mechanism to do that. I mean, really, that's the other exciting, and we don't have to talk about this the whole time, but maybe we do the whole episode on this because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, but it's one of those places where at the end of the day, I think what they've said is they're shooting for a target of um, less than a car for one of these things. Okay. Where you buy the humanoid robot, it's less, it costs less than a car, so fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars, and it powers itself. It yeah, I'm very interested. And on where they're going with the technology of the robots of it, is there going to be some sort of like almost Siri component to the robot, you know, where it's like, hey, Optimus, go and cook me an egg, you know, whatever it might yeah. be, right? Yeah. I would think that's going to be part of it, that those movements are, are trained, but right. it can be voice interacted, which can be massively huge. I mean, um, oh, yeah. If they watch you empty the dishwasher, correct, three times, and they right. see where everything goes, correct. Or we have a camera in our house that you know Tesla wants to put in. It watches me unload the dishwasher for a week, and then the robot does it. Well, you know? well is it well, the way you unload or the way your wife unloads? Was well, very clear. If it's not the way my wife unloads it, we won't have the robot for very long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I, but I think it's, but again, I think this is the exciting part about V12 in the sense that showing video, video and behavior out. I think the, I think the most exciting thing is they've been building this data lead for so long. 
if they actually, and they have these things moving around, like there's, you can go like online into Tesla and watch. There's, there's one where, where one of the Optimus robots is looking at an arm that is kind of doing its thing on the table and it unplugs it and carries the arm over and installs the arm on another Optimus that only had one arm and wow. screws it in. And then that thing goes, hello. So it's one of those things like right now you're like, oh, that's chunky looking and it's super slow and it's, you know, and that'll be a long time. And I think they're doing the same thing with Optimus that they did with cars. They're like eight cameras in the car. Why do you need that many? Like, what are you going to do with all that video? And they're like, yeah, you know, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Cause, cause everyone else is probably like, why would you spend all that money on? Cause think about it. They had eight cameras. They had to upload all that data. That was an extreme amount of like what, like you know, network cards, network traffic, and mm-hmm. it had to all be done under the promise that they could do this neural net thing. Because if it didn't, then man, you just spent eight cameras worth of of camera on every car that you didn't charge anyone for, and all the network traffic and everything else. Most people are going to be like, yeah, we're not going to do all that. Yeah, and they're like, is, yeah, we're going to do it all. Another example of. Most people are playing checkers and That's Elon right. Musk is playing chess. And I'm not saying he's not crazy, but he's not stupid. He's, he, he he definitely knows how to. I think one of the things he knows first principles and then he, you know, we talk about like we joke, like I'd like to go to Mars before I die kind of thing if he gets us there. But it's one of those things. He's he's I think he's a master at saying having very ambitious goals, very ambitious plans. But then taking those things and breaking them into component size pieces. So like he wants to go to Mars. Everyone's like, yeah, everyone would like to go to Mars. And he's like, but the first thing we got to do is really got to be able to get reusable rockets because right now the cost per ton to get a ton of weight off of this planet into space is super expensive. So we got to get reusable rockets. So what does he do? He builds reusable rockets. And now, like we said at the beginning, they're delivering 80% of Earth mass to space and they're, they're landing like rockets all over the place. I think they just sent their fourth manned mission up to up to the space station. Like they're doing wow. it regularly. Wow. It's pretty cool. So I love this. Again, I think there's a whole tech conversation here. I think there is a universal conversation behind the tech conversation about learning, about where your quality of your data mm-hmm. is, about playing the long game. Mm-hmm. Um, because even if he never makes it to Mars, he's winning all these component part paths right. and trying mm-hmm. to figure that stuff out. And I, I think there's um, a lot of application. I mean, you could think about whatever your field is in, uh, how do you increase your data collection, the quality and the quantity? Yeah. Uh, you're running around. Are you finding ways to capture that stuff? I mean, I'm talking to construction companies as a guy. Like, you got all these guys on all these sites talking with all these other subs and you have no idea what's happening in the the general labor market materials up there's tons of data that you're just not even attempting to capture that's a dadgum construction company right they're they're not using uh, neural nets to kind of try okay. to to build a robot and i so I, I would say as individuals i think one of the single most um life transforming thing i did for myself as a learner was when i started speeding up playing audio and listening to audiobooks at faster speed Mm-hmm. The now, I've worked hard to get better and better books come through, and I'm, I've learned. But but 
I would just tell you, just getting more ideas coming at me on a regular basis changed everything. Yeah. And and it now some of those ideas are like Daniel Steers driving, and I delete them, right? Like, heck no, <laughs> uh, let's not do that. But, but I mean, are, in, in my defense, <laughs> I drive like Aslan. I'm not safe, but I'm good. Yeah. And, and in all honesty, I'm probably the one who should be joked the most for my yeah, driving. Right. I don't think I mean, you don't have any stones to throw at me. No. Yeah, <laughs> I, I drive like Aslan with his eyes closed. Like, I'm not scared, but I probably should be. Um, like, no, I, but, it, but I think the question becomes, I think some of the neat things, and we, and we talked about some of them with some of this, you know, self-driving, but like, I think it even becomes some of those places where, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways that this could get interesting. I think that the robo taxi, if, you know, we were, we, we had a dinner last night and we were talking about like how soon, you know, what are some of the, the applications of like robo taxi, like everyone, what happens when you can really have self-driving vehicles that just zoom around and we don't need a human in them. And, and I think it's one of those things. I think the neat part that we got talking about last night is, um, at least for me, the thing that I find really exciting about the whole concept of the robo-taxi or whatever is that for the sake of, I think ta- you could say taxis were kind of the, the precursor to a lot of this. But I think Uber's really kind of normalized the idea of, mm-hmm. of getting in a car and, yeah. and not knowing. I mean, you could look at the ratings the driver's ratings and they're safe and he's got, you know, he, she has a thousand rides and and everyone gives five stars. So, okay. There's a rating system gamification, but you could get in the car and be like, Hey, this thing's being driven by yourself. And do you want to see the stats? This thing has had a wreck in a hundred million miles driven. I think you're pretty safe. Right. Well, honestly, in some context, we have built a society that in a lot of ways trust technology or manufacturing machinery more than humans, just to be completely well, honest. Right? Well, but I mean, it's one of those. I mean, in lots of ways, I would, right? Well, okay. So this is where we argued last night at dinner is I think you're going to see a, a big split. Yeah, a total split. 100% agree. Digital natives who grew up with tech and just trust it. And those who don't and don't. And like, my my gen, we were talking about this last night at dinner. I'm right on the dadgum edge. So um my wife is a year and a half or so younger than me, but ironically, I'm the digital native. And even though she's younger, she's not because her mom just didn't know what to do with this stuff and didn't buy a computer. And my wife, Rachel, didn't own a computer till college. My dad worked for IBM and literally was on the team that put together the first PC junior, the take home, like so. Before it was available to the market, we had a PC junior in our house and I grew up. So I'm all tech forward. And my wife is like, I don't know. I mean, my wife's still nervous about Uber sometimes because yeah. um, it's a stranger. And, t- and I know the app says, but how do I know to trust that? And so like, she's a tech skeptic. And so I think right on that, that I mean, my house is a split of it, right? Like yeah. some people lean into it, some will not. And I think you'll see but a I, big difference in adoption rate. I think I think the things that I, I, think, I think some of the things that like I think are need to talk about are like what are some of the applications like if we get like maybe it's kind of even a, a a riff or a spin of what we were saying like if something like let's say robo taxis becomes uh, I wouldn't say ubiquitous but um, but like a bare minimum of trustworthy whereas it's a trustable service as trustable as an Uber. That mm-hmm. is very vetted. Like you have high confidence that the person who you're putting your your spouse, your cared one, your loved one, even your kid, 
if you had total confidence that the driver was a good driver and that there was some separation in the sense that they could unlock the back but not get in the front and you know, all those things, they had to stay on the route. Then, like, I, I'm curious, like, what some of the things would be that would be kind of the killer use cases. And it's funny, like, even in the conversation last night, like, man, if you could get like a, a robo taxi to run carpool for you, that would be great. Well, I think a big one would be car uh, dealerships already, right? Like anytime you've got to drop a car off or and I need, like it is a pain in the tail. I mean, frankly, I bought a third car just for not having that being a pain in the tail. So, <laughs> you know, just from the standpoint of your back and forth, the cars in the shop. I mean, if a dealership had the ability to say, just drop your car off, we'll take you back wherever you want to go and didn't have to have an employee that did it like yeah. It's an amazing oh, I, thing. I think it goes further than that. I mean, Jonathan, you were poking last night. Like, why would anyone ever own a car? Um, That's true. There's a fleet of cars like Uber. You just say, here's what I need when. That's I mean, true. Daniel, even if you've got a regular set of appointments, like say your son you know, wants to go to his, his doctor, you know it's happening every other week. You just schedule that, and a car shows up every other week. Um well, the business economics of that are so amazing, too, because you've taken out the human, basically, reliability factor, and you you put in, like, it's just capital and tech that you only have in the business model, which is a pretty awesome business model, honestly. I think it's one of those things. So, yeah, we were talking about, like, the, the this is the one of my, you know, futurist, my arguments that this is going to come on faster. Of course, I've lost... A ton of uh, lunch bets on this because I would say that it's coming faster than it than it has. But I do think the cost. I mean, if you look at Uber, because Uber is functionally kind of a robo taxi with people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you take paying the human out of it, and and you take liability from an insurance perspective out of it, it's like well, what's kind of left? Like it's kind of the car, like the miles driven on the car is the cost and it's like and fuel but if you're an ev you it's just the cost of electricity do you think tesla acquires uber and launches a a tuber service why do they need them no i think uber uber gets disrupted by tesla why would why would uber sell why would why would tesla sell teslas to uber because because then they'd be like cut out the middleman like that's another thing the we're user about. base uber probably has a bigger user base than tesla yeah you acquire the user base you also acquire uber's uh ratings yeah. but the switching stuff. costs but, there are nothing you just beat them on price which is on. a very See, good point daniel because i know most people have uber and lyft already loaded on their phones yeah. well and if you're thinking like oh they've already got all the users okay maybe they do have the users but they already have all the ratings uh, there's, the only ratings go away. No ratings. there's only one driver. There's no, there's no ratings. Yeah. There's, there. and, and I'm thirty percent cheaper on every um, ride. Thirty Correct. or eighty percent cheaper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, the implications of this are bananas, right? Let me just like we don't have time to get into all of them, but let's just self-driving alone. Um, it changes car ownership. It changes where you live because the commute now becomes. Like you can get it in the car and nap. You can get work done, right? It changes the design of the car, like the physical yeah. build of the car, like the nap point. Where's the car with my bed in it? Um, I mean, that's not a that's not a joke. Like I'm seriously can't wait for that. Uh, it also changes the nature of schools and families. We were talking last night about how, man, I wish I could get my kid in that school, but I can't physically like you know, schools being yeah. located by what's convenient. 
What about robo buses? I mean, you start getting to some really interesting scenarios. Do you still need a bus service if the school just taps into? So now, I mean, the the implications for offices, for schools, for um, like party trips, road trips. I mean, there's going to be vacations that are simply just like getting in a vehicle and it takes you through a prescribed route and you stop at key points and have fun. And it's like rent I mean, a party bus for the weekend. I mean, it gets really interesting. Think, think about, think about RVs. Think about RVs. You're like, RV hey, market. RVs, RVs, you're like, RVs are cool because they, you know, you can rent an RV and you can kind of go to scenic places. What if you could rent an RV that like a downloaded what? trip? Well, the RV becomes like a cruise. We want to go hit these three places. You go to bed and the RV drives you there. And when you yeah. wake up, you're in the next spot like a yeah. cruise ship and you go play and then you get back in and the RV drives you the next night. I mean, yeah. there's going to be so many industries disrupted by self-driving. It is not small. But I think it's what I do think it, but it becomes interesting to think like, what are those use cases? I mean, I think there's tons of big use cases, but I think what are the use cases that like, will warm people up. And that's, and that, I think those are some of the interesting ones where it's kind of like, man, I, you know, like I think the, the um, carpool, robo carpool, man, I think if people could reclaim that time, that would be huge, but you've got the kid element of it. And so there's a big ick factor or, you know, there's a, there's a big thing to get over i think that's shipping a, it's a whole different shipping, thing putting your kid in something and letting him drive away but then. shipping you know the one that they've been talking about forever is shipping and you know driving highways is pretty it's pretty simple um so but it is one of those things i think this is one of those places where your change cycles are here and and what is even interesting is that you know we've talked a lot about like the future is here it's just unevenly distributed you know um I think what gets interesting in this is is just we could say, hey, this is future, future, future. But we have the founder of the company driving with a thing where he's only showing a video and it's producing behavior. It's like I think that could be that could be stuff where you know in a couple of years we're talking about oh yeah, there are real things happening and this could really change a lot. So I know that we were talking about uh, things that. Um, we all got excited about it. maybe I kind of got excited about V12. We're all excited about this. We're excited this, about this it. This is man. group excitement. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting day when uh when we don't have to drive anymore or we don't have to and maybe I'll start winning some of those uh some of those lunch bets finally. We'll see. <laughs> You've been listening to the Alpha Pack Podcast. To learn more about how you can implement the strategies and insight discussed in today's episode, make sure to check out the show notes page. And follow the pack on www.alphapackcommunity.com. Until next time, we hope you settle for nothing less than making the world better than the way you found it. Stay alpha.